0: All Take your right. time, Ted. Good morning, everybody. This morning we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 44. Yes. And we're gonna to go to the end of this chapter and I'm hoping to skip into the next chapter a little bit or all the way. So we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna get going. Um, just for a reminder, there's a famine in the land of Egypt and Canaan. Uh wow. Israel's 12, uh, 11 sons have come to Egypt for more grain. Uh, well, 10 sons. One of them was in prison there in Egypt. Uh, Joseph, their, one of their younger brothers, was sold into slavery uh, 21, 22 years ago by these brothers. Uh, he was a slave for a while, and then he was accused of something falsely. Um, and was put into prison for some more years. He spent thirteen years in prison, I believe um, before he was brought out of prison uh, because he had um, a good word for Pharaoh interpreting his dreams, warning them that there would be a seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. The seven years of plenty is over, and we are now a year two into the seven years of famine in this point we 're in two years. Um, and joseph has not yet revealed to his brothers that he is their brother so we're that's what i want to like really get through today (laughs) but in the meantime joseph has been testing his brothers he's been he returned the money into their sacks to see how they would respond Um, he spoke roughly with them he wants to see what kind of characters they have because it's been 20 years since they sold him into slavery so he he's really like trying them out to see how they they're walking how are they living their lives and here is the kind of the final test that we have verse 44 uh chapter 44 verse 1 and he commanded the steward of the house saying fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack put also my cup the silver cup in the mouth of the sack Of the youngest, and his grain money. So he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning dawned, and the men were sent away, they had their donkeys. When they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to his steward, Get up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my lord drinks, and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in so doing. So, again, this is one of those final tests. We're in verse 5. Um, and and so he sends a steward out to chase after them to, to claim that they've stolen something from them, which they, of course, have not. They've been very upfront about everything. They brought back the money that they thought was accidentally put in their pouches. Um, and they've been trying to just deal very on the level with joseph who is the second in command of all of egypt and and here this final test the the test of the silver cup what are they going to do and i'll add a note here that this cup may also have been used for practicing divination like maybe like tea leaves or or looking into the reflection or, or something along those lines the egyptians were very magic users very very big in using magic as you'll see in the the Exodus story as they're God's giving them plagues, and the magicians are making the plagues good enough um, that Pharaoh wasn't going to listen to God. So, so they were magic users, just pointing that out. Um, uh, yeah. So, verse six. Uh, Jed, I have a quick question. Yeah. But this says, Indeed, he, Joseph, uses to practice divination. That's Is what. That- they assumed maybe well so that's what the cup would normally be used for uh as egyptian lords or um higher ups would be doing um we'll we'll come back to it in a little bit because they're going to mention it again so um was he practicing divination i don't believe that he was um but we'll we'll, we'll see kind of like that shift because he's going to still be in character of this this egyptian pharaoh like character and he's going to shift it and You'll see. But this is what the Egyptians say. Uh, Verse 6. So he overtook them, and he spoke to them these same words. And they said to him, Why does my lord say these things? Far be it from us that your servant should do such a thing. Eight. Look, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver or gold from your lord's house with whomever of your servants it is found let him die and we also will be my lord's slaves so again that we're in 9 um we're they're innocent they don't know what's going on they they make this kind of rash vow like whoever you find the cup with they can die and the other 10 of us will be slaves because we we're trying to deal rightly with your lord why would we steal from him it doesn't make any sense well cuz they're they're having something done to them. That's why. So, verse 10. And he said, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and you shall be blameless. Then each man speedily let down his sack to the ground, and each opened his sack. So he searched, he began with the oldest, and left off with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each man loaded his donkey, and returned to the city i'll come back so verse 14 so judah and his brothers came to joseph's house and he was still there and they fell before him on the ground and joseph said to them what deed is this you have done did you not know that such a man as i can certainly practice divination verse 16 then judah said what shall we say to my lord what shall we speak or how shall we clear ourselves god has found out our iniquity of your servants here we are my lord's slaves both we and he also with whom the cup was found Verse 17, but he said, far be it from me that I should do so. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. And as for you, go in peace to your father. All right, so here we have the the rash vow. They say, let that person die. And the servant here in 10 through 12. And then Joseph here at 17 says, no, no, I'm not going to kill whoever the a couple's found i'm just going to take him as my slave and the rest of you can go free this is this is uh the test of well how much uh, how jealous are these brothers of of benjamin because he's the the youngest the new favorite son of israel and so he's he's seeing how they're going to respond if if by happenstance this other uh, joseph's uh, brother is taken away from them how much do they care how much are they worried about him or what are their responses going to be um and so they fall for and and so yeah again here's this he mentions that as such a man as i can certainly practice divination there's this idea that that he's some sort of a sorcerer and can can practice divination. He's still in his his Egyptians guise with them, and he's still kind of pulling pulling the wool over their eyes. We'll we'll, we'll continue. We'll come back to it in a second. And so they all go and say, No, no, no! We're all going to be your slaves. We're not going to go back to our father without without Benjamin. We'll all be your slaves. And and Joseph gives them the out. No, 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 no! You other ten can go. Benjamin has to stay for stealing the cup verse 18 then judah came near to him and said oh my lord please let your servant speak a word in my lord's hearing and do not let your anger burn against your servant for you are even like pharaoh my lord asked his servant saying has you a father or brother and we said to my lord we have a father an old man and a child of his old age who is young his brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother's children and his father loves him then you said to your servants bring him down to me that i may set my eyes on him and we said to my lord the lad cannot leave his father or for if he should leave his father his father would die but you said to your servants unless your youngest brother comes down with you you shall not see my face verse 24. so it was when we went up ...to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go back and buy us a little food. But we said we cannot go if our youngest brother is with us if our younger brother is with us then we will go down for we may not see the man's face unless our younger brother is with us then your servant my father said to us you know that my wife bore me two sons and the one went out from me and i said surely he is torn to pieces and i have not seen him since but if you take this one also from me and calamity befalls him you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave verse 30. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up with this lad's life, I'll happen, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servant will bring down the gray hair of your servant, your father, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever now therefore please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my lord and let the lad go up with his brothers for how shall i go to my father if the lad is not with me least perhaps i see the evil that would come upon my father so here judah judah being the line of christ just going to point that out um is is taking joseph aside and saying here's what happened after we left you and and this is this is what's happening right now and i cannot leave him there i said that i would be the surety for benjamin i would bring back benjamin and one piece and if i cannot do that then then we're not going to go but if you you don't mind let me trade places with benjamin send him home to his father and judah one of the older brothers that sold joseph into slavery is is sacrificing his life for his brother benjamin and that's a, a beautiful picture of christ beautiful picture of of the willing sacrifice to take the place of the one that is seen as guilty in the situation there's air quotes seen as guilty because Benjamin's not guilty but we are we are guilty and jesus does come to cover our sins um and this is really just a recap from the previous weeks of what or last week uh what has happened so i'm not, not going to dig too much into that that's what's happening Judas says i'm going to take his place Um, if you will. We're going to skip ahead to 45. This is Genesis chapter 45. There it is. The grand finale. Chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians of the house of Pharaoh heard it. And then verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. Verse 6. For those... For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting and god sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance so now it was not with you with you who sent me here but god and he has made me a father of pharaoh and a lord of his house and ruler throughout all the land of egypt so here's the great reveal. Joseph is still alive after these 20 22 years. And his brothers are dismayed and and he's trying to like said, "Do not be afraid. Don't don't be um grieved or angry with yourselves. Like don't don't beat yourselves up over it. It's fine. God sent me here to preserve life." He's got a perspective that he didn't have before, them being seven he's been in this pharaoh's palace for nine years as someone that's not a slave or a prisoner and he's got two kids and and he sees the good that came out of him being sold into slavery Mm -hmm. and he's he's saying look i'm your brother and he's he's glad to finally make amends and and he's weeping so loud that the the egyptians are are, are listening to what's going on outside the door because because it's such a an explosion of emotions and and here they're reconciled finally and he's very very clear that god has been the one that's been leading and orchestrating and as he was clear when he was giving pharaoh the interpretation that's not him that gives the interpretation but it's god that gives the interpretation he he is still resting on his faith in god and i and that is an a amazing thing, living in Egypt with all the other gods and with all the other idol worship. He has stayed firm on his foundation to the one true God. So, praise the Lord for that. Now, verse 9. And I'm going to come back and kind of talk about all this. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be nearer to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, least you and your household, and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you so you shall tell my father of all my glory in egypt and of all that you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father down here then he fell on his brother benjamin's neck and wept and benjamin wept on his neck moreover he kissed all his brothers and wept over them and after that his brothers talked with him so we have this amazing family reunion and he's inviting his family to come live in egypt in the land of goshen and so the land of goshen as there 's egypt there's the Nile, the really big river, and so Goshen is the very fertile plateau area here where all the like fingers of rivers are and it was very specifically central eastern of that uh fertile area by the by the Nile because his family are um shepherds, and so he he's putting them in a good place so that there would be still grass for their sheep to eat or their whatever livestock they have and we see that they, that the initial shock is over and the brothers are able to finally talk to him and Benjamin's weeping, and it's a great, wonderful family reunion That, that is the way it is because of the way that Joseph dealt with these situations, these things. I'm we'll circle back around on that. So verse 16. Now the report of, of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. 17 and pharaoh said to joseph say to your brothers do this load your animals and depart go to the land of canaan bring your father and your household and come to me i will give you the best of the land of egypt and you will eat of the fat of the land now you are commanded do this take carts out of the land of egypt for your little ones and your wives bring your father and come also do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of egypt is yours Then the sons of israel did so and joseph gave them carts according to the command of pharaoh and he gave them provisions for the journey he gave all to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for their journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. And the last paragraph, verse 25 the end then they went up to out of egypt and came to the land of canaan to jacob their father and they told him saying joseph is still alive and he is governor over all the land of egypt and jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them but when they told him all the words which joseph had said to them and when he saw the carts which joseph had sent to carry him the spirit of jacob their father revived then israel said it is enough joseph my son is still alive i will go and see him before i die so here is the grand one of the grand finales of this, this story, where where J- Joseph is testing his brothers, and and once they come back together, Pharaoh hears of it because the servants are hearing of it, and they t- go and tell Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, "Hey, not not only invite them, send carts, send it like a delegation down with them, full of of good things, and and bring them back." So imagine that the the Egyptian carts are like brightly painted, gilded with gold, they're very foreign to this the shepherd that's in Canaan and and the proof is before his eyes. And so he's there's this wonderful great family reconciliation. Now let's talk about all this for us today. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph was a victim of his family. And I want to talk about what what it, as Christians, what's it like to be a victim? What should we do as victims? And so Joseph suffered through 13 years of slavery and prison at the hands of his brothers. And yeah, good things have turned and happened to him, but, but does that mean that he needs to, to forgive his brothers for doing that thing? In the world's eyes, they would say, no, no, don't forgive them. They did this to you. You need to get revenge. And what a perfect position Joseph has to get revenge. He's second in command of all of Egypt. He doesn't even need to ask anyone's permission to have these men killed. He's got servants and slaves and, and probably soldiers at his disposal. But what does Joseph do? Instead of condemning them, because that was 20 years ago, 22 years ago. Instead of condemning them. Joseph has wisdom and trust in God and and he's going to test them to see how their character is. and so we see him testing them and they they pass with flying colors at this point in time, in their lives praise the Lord and and they're more worried about Benjamin than their own lives. they're trying to be honest with them, they're not trying to you know they're not the, the men of their youth as they used to be and and they've changed. And if if Joseph had just condemned them without listening to them, without talking to them, without hearing what they had to say, it would have all... Sin would have caused more sin. But here, instead of responding in sin as Joseph... In the world's eyes, Joseph has the right to get revenge. Joseph is fully vindicated. He was sold into slavery. Like, you know, I'm going to do the same thing to you guys. But instead of getting revenge he 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 heaps giant piles of food on top of benjamin's plate he gives them things and he they have a family reunion he forgives them and tells them don't worry about it don't don't have angerness don't have bitterness let's come back together and just be a family forget about it it's water under the bridge it's it's past. yes it happened but but we can move on with our lives and so this idea that that the world really pushes about v- being a victim it's a, a, a we need reparations. We need we need someone to come and make everything right because we we're a victim of whatever reason. For the Christians, that's not really how we're supposed to walk. For the Christian, we're supposed to not seek revenge. We're supposed to not seek to get even. And and that goes against what the world is teaching us to do. We, the world is always saying, "Ah, uh, someone is against you. You need to be against them." And that's that's not God's kingdom. He has an upside-down kingdom where, instead of dividing, God's trying to bring people together. Uh, A couple verses I want to point out to you guys. Uh, One of my favorite ones, because people are so ready to get revenge. Uh, Romans 12, 19. Uh, Is this one? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and that's such a beautiful picture of just trusting in the lord that we don't need to get revenge we don't need to seek out hurting other people there's plenty of hurt there's plenty of pain in the world and actually i'm gonna do this real quick i was thinking yeah so, it should have started 17. So, Romans twelve seventeen. Just to finish this picture out, I don't know why I'm... Sometimes I miss up. Repay no one evil for evil. Someone does something bad to you, guess what you should do? Not do more evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Like, what a, what a wonderful idea, what a wonderful way that we should live. Instead of being a victim, instead of giving someone else the power over us, or the perceived power, don't give them that power. Know that you are supposed to return good for evil. You are supposed to live at peace with other people. It doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter how they treat you, how they act, what they say, what they've done to you in the past jesus is clear we're gonna hop into jesus in a little bit but this is paul here paul is clear what the inspiration of the holy spirit makes of jesus live at peace with all men so here's the thing that god has done god wanted to live with peace with all men so what he did is he devised a plan to reconcile us with him to bring us back together so he sent his one begotten son to earth to try to reconcile us to try to bring us back together Jesus didn't come to condemn people. Jesus came to save people. And if there was anyone that we've done wrong to, if there's anyone that we have done evil to, it's God. Our very thoughts and our hearts does evil to him. We we can't help but walk sinfully because of these fallen bodies that we have and our example uh, is Jesus. The way that we're supposed to walk the way, the reason we're called Christians is cuz we're we're supposed to be like Christ. Because when Christ suffered, he he didn't revile in return. What what he did in Luke 23 32 through 34. I'm going to jump around a little bit just cuz there's a lot of examples. Um So this is on the way to his death. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. This is him going to the cross. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, meaning they literally nailed him to a pole, a cross, and hung him up. And the criminals one on his right hand and the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So even here, if you want to talk about a victim, someone who is being accused of crimes that he didn't do, is being accused of things that were not right, who literally had no sin, he's being put to death, and instead of him claiming and crying out, uh, injustice, you know, here's a perfect reason why you shouldn't follow your government, here's a perfect reason you shouldn't do these things, he says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And here's our example. This is what we should be like when people are killing us, murdering us, saying bad things to us, stealing from us. We're supposed to pray for them, we're supposed to forgive them and and yes, Jesus is God, and so he's got this amazing holy Spirit that he can do these things, but he's not the only one he's not the only example that we have of when bad things happen to good people to to people that aren't really you know doing bad, they are going to get you know it's one thing to be repaid evil for evil, but but these people are being paid repaid. They're be, they're doing good and being repaid by evil. Um, one of them is in the death of Stephen. And I don't have a lot of time, but I'll, I'll summarize it in Acts chapter seven. Stephen is telling the Pharisees and Sadducees and Jews about Jesus and and he's serving people at tables and he's filled with the holy spirit and he's telling them about what what they've done killing jesus and they killed the one in whom foretelling the the just one and then they become betrayers and murderers and they stone him and you know what stephen's last response to the people that are stoning him he prays for them and and, and literally says lord do not charge them with this sin as victims in this world because jesus jesus says many times that we will be persecuted jesus says it the most that we are going to be persecuted so don't be surprised when we're victims because we're always going to be victims of someone somewhere in the world but don't worry about that don't think of it like that think of it as the lord is a control you're following the lord and he loves you and he is going to walk before you and and prepare your way prepare good things and even though it's going to be hard it's temporary compared to what we what we receive with jesus in eternity we don't need to worry about the little uncomfortable stuff here and now we need to be looking for our our eternal reward which is just to spend time with jesus face to face without these sinful bodies that are are slowing us down and 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 just causing us to sin so much um, there's also this this wonderful section in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. You can read it on your own, but it's about the sufferings of Paul. Paul, if anyone was um, doing the work of spreading the gospel, Paul was, for sure, because we've got his letters, and he goes through some really hard stuff. He gets stoned to death once. Not to death, I guess. He's shipwrecked, and he... He goes all over the place. He travels thousands and thousands of kilometers to share the gospel of people. And he doesn't complain about it. He, he he actually in this chapter starts to boast about it. He says, I'm out of my mind, but I'm going to boast about these hard things that I've gotten to do for the glory of God. And he boasts about the hard things. He's not a victim. He is a servant. It's amazing. And and here in, in Joseph's day and here in our day, he could have left bitterness in the heart and let it really take root and grow. And here in Hebrews 12:14 through 15, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. And so Joseph had every right to be angry and bitter at his brothers. And we have every right to be angry and bitter with the people at school, at work, on the street, wherever. But God says, don't. Not with you, dear Christian. Not with you, brother and sister. Get rid of it. That root of bitterness will grow. And it causes defilement. It causes sin. It causes death. And so for us, we need to forgive other people. Freely, joyfully forgive people. Get rid of whatever whatever you think you're owed and just let it go. Lay it before the cross, let God deal with it, as it says in Romans, God's the revenger, not us. We don't need to seek revenge, we don't need to get even. (laughs) Let God deal with that. Because when we seek to get even, when we are led by that root of bitterness, we are sinning. We are just causing more and more pain and anguish in the world, and we need to stop it. Because that's what our God's example to us was. He wanted to reconcile us he went and died for us what an example that we have that's the gospel god came to the earth and died for us to reconcile us what can we do to die to self to reconcile other people to god their maker their creator what what is what is god pressing on your hearts that that you maybe right now say ah anything but that i'll never do that. be careful of those words. Those are the places that God needs to work. Those are the places that that we're holding away from God and we say we're in control of this God, you can't have any of this it's mind to control i've got it I've got it under control. I can manage this that's where God wants to work. God says no that's sin that's division that's defiling you and it's going to grow bad in your heart. It's going to turn into sin. And it will turn into death. So get rid of it now. Get rid of it while you can. While today is called today. Our God didn't pull any stops trying to reconcile us to him. He did everything. That we don't have to earn salvation. He paid it all for us. He laid his life down. What can we do for him? How can we follow Jesus as our Lord. Our example. To walk in step with the spirit. To stop listening to the voices of the world that, that demand things. That says that you should climb up other people to get to wherever makes you happy. and Forget about all that. Seek the Lord first and he'll add to you whatever you, you need, whatever you deserve. God is good. He, he hears your prayers. Seek him first. Follow him. Lord, thank you for this morning you've given us. Thank you for this beautiful story of Joseph and his brothers and the reconciliation that we have, Lord. What an amazing picture of Christ we have here in the Old Testament of of reconciliation, Lord. People that had every right to be angry, to be scared, to hurt other people, and they instead turn and forgive. What a beautiful example of who you are that we can read about before you came. God, I'm always amazed at these people in the Old Testament that haven't seen you, haven't read about you like we have, Lord, and they walk just like you would have walked, Lord God. I praise you for this, this example of Joseph. Lord, help us to be more like your son, Jesus, who walked even in a greater way than this. Lord, give us strength. Send your Holy Spirit upon us so we can say no to self and say yes to you, Lord God. Help us to surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. As long as I thought.